and welcome back to the Ressus Podcast. My name is Rafaelio, and with me is my co-host Jonah Boston. This week, we had the pleasure of interviewing one of our friend and a local entrepreneur, Adam Dio. In this episode, we tackle topics such as his story and journey through school. Then we talked about his business and some entrepreneurial advice. So sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy this episode of the Restless Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Jonah Boston. I'm with my co-host, Rafaelio Law, and this is the Restless Podcast. On the Restless Podcast, we interview the most impactful leaders in the business world, starting in our home base of Kelowna, British Columbia. Our mission is to provide our listeners with topics around modern-day business and entrepreneurial methods to help you execute your goals in life. We hope you enjoy this episode of The Restless Podcast. Hey everyone, this is Jonah Boston. I'm with my co-host, Raphael Law, and this is The Restless Podcast. Today, we have the absolute privilege of interviewing founder of Silverback Marketing, Adam Dio. How's it going, buddy? It's going. How are you? Always good, man. Busy, the usual. Yeah. In beautiful Kelowna, British Columbia, of course. It is a beautiful city. A little chilly out right now, but it's beautiful. No, man, it needs to go. <laughs> I, I'm absolutely down with it. But more importantly, let's go on to the podcast here and the subject around how you've built Silverback Marketing. But more importantly, the purpose of this is to go back to the very beginning, you know, where you grew up. So describe exactly where you grew up and your upbringing as a young kid. Cool. Where I grew up, Princeton, BC. It's a little small town between Merritt and Hope. If you drove through it and you blinked, you missed it. Uh, about 2,500 people. There's one street, and we call it Bridge Street, so we were definitely really creative, as you can tell. So that's where I grew up. I grew up, in a far- I grew up on a farm in Princeton, BC, and as far as my upbringing goes, you know, I was, I was a regular dude, man, a regular dude that uh, you'd think grew up in a small town. I lived on a farm. I was taught to work hard at a very, very early age. I uh, had really supportive parents, and you know I was doing the thing. All of the jobs out there were catered towards a blue collar kind of guy. Right. So I was baling hay. I was I was um, setting up irrigation. Mm-hmm. You know I worked at a mill for a period of time, mm-hmm. and it's through those things that I actually learned and hook, line, and sinkered the work ethic that I would right. need to succeed in life. Mm-hmm. But I knew I didn't want to keep doing those things, which is why I kind of chose to become an entrepreneur uh, a little bit later on in my journey. Right. So as a young kid, did you see any signs of the type of person you are now, like the work ethic part? You know, were your parents highly supportive of everything you did, especially let's start in elementary school. Like, do you remember those times? You know, like, do you remember those times as a young kid in Princeton and the type of person you were and the, you were and the people you hung out with? Uh, yeah, I do, man. It was, uh, like I said, it was just a regular dude. I, w- I was confused. Right. I really didn't show any natural gifting whatsoever and that's kind of what i want to point out for all of the uh, listeners of this podcast is there was no natural gifting there was there was really no promise that was being shown in an early age right i just kind of looked like the typical confused kid that was just you know fucking bouncing around yeah yeah um that's i had a lot of energy i've always had a lot of energy everybody that knows me right now that's kind of what i've known for but i didn't really know where to channel it until after high school so right. that that's that's something that I wanted to mention on this podcast. I think that's important for people to know. It's not this wasn't a Hollywood movie, you know, where the the protagonist suddenly had like this gifting for football and he discovered it one fall day in the backfield where he, when he threw the ball seventy miles. It wasn't that, you know. I was just I didn't really know where to channel my energy and I kind of had to learn to figure that out. But yeah, more about that later. That's that's what I was like as a young kid. I had a lot of energy but not a lot of focus. Okay, in high school. What type of crowd do you hang out with? Do you have people from high school that now have an impact on your career today? Yes. I mean, kind of. I kind of was, there wasn't really a lot of people to hang around with, right? I mean, 
my grad class was 40 something people. There were only about 300 kids in the school. So like, you know, the, the weird thing when my friends from Kelowna or Vancouver tell me that they had cliques in their school, we didn't have cliques in our school. We had like the kids that were into sports and came from good families and didn't do drugs. And then we just had the kids that were, that sort of went off into their own direction, you know, obviously did do some substance abuse. Those were like the two categories that we had in Princeton. Mm -hmm. So if you weren't one, you were the other. Okay, good. So let's move on to a little bit different chapter of your life here. Um, let's talk about years in university. So after high school, you know, you're in Princeton, mm-hmm. right? And now you move to somewhere to go to university, I'm, I'm guessing, right? Let's talk about your first couple of years in high school and, or in, in university and how that had an impact in your life and how you thought of it, I guess. For sure, man. Um, this, is, this is where stuff starts to get really real for me, right? So like I said before, I grew up on a farm. I had that strong work ethic. And that's really all I took to to university. I wanted to go into business because I really didn't want to do anything else. I didn't want to do trades. I didn't want to do sciences. I kind of just stumbled into business because I wanted to use my charisma and my personality and leverage that to make money. I want to do some sort of sales type thing, even though that's not what I would have called it then. The first year in university is where I really got to meet myself. I knew myself going into university, but I got to I got to meet myself. In university, So I went through really bad depression the first year. And by really bad depression, I mean fucking horrible. Like it was probably the worst thing that I've ever gone through in my entire life. Um, so, you know, for those of you that do struggle with mental health, this isn't self-diagnosed. I was actually diagnosed with depression and OCD. And as a result of that, I would not go to class. I literally would not attend class. I was there. I would lie to my parents. I was lying to everybody around me about who I was. I lied to my girlfriend, right? Uh, at, well, not at the time. She's still my girlfriend. I'm kind of blessed to have her around still. But anyway, um, I, was, I really didn't know what was going on. And here's the thing. It wasn't this crazy deep reason. Like, you know, it, it, that's glorified too. The, the reason that I actually ended up going through depression was I, ha- I have a lot of energy. I had too much time to think. And it was my first time away from home. That's all that was wrong. But I mean, I couldn't identify it, right? So you go talk to counselors and therapists and all this other stuff. And they're trying to like uproot your childhood and where your parents fucked up and all this other stuff. And it, was, it had nothing to do with that at all. That built a lot of character. I got, to sh- I got to kind of show myself what I was made of through that experience. So just to kind of unpack it a little bit for you, let's, let's go through a typical day in the life. Yeah, please. In that phase. Yeah. And I'm going to get candy with you guys. Uh, I'm going to unpack this for you. So I wanted to wake up. Um, you know, around noon. So I'd wake up around noon, skip my first two classes. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like I, I was, I was literally in shambles. So then after that, I would get myself dressed. Now here's the thing. I, I just told you I got out of bed at noon. I would manage to get myself dressed most days by about three. Right. And then it was right to, it was right to Julia's room to see her. Cause she was kind of like the only thing that was keeping me floating. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? My friends all thought that I was this guy that I really wasn't. I was just kind of lying to them to kind of be the cool guy so I could drink on weekends and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really doing much of anything except partying in my first year of university. I never got into drugs, just drank a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, was, 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 was lying a lot. Didn't really know what the heck was going on. Um, I was just depressed, man. That's basically the best way to describe it. And um, I, I became me when I discovered how to overcome that. And it wasn't through medication of any kind. It wasn't through a, a counselor. It wasn't through a therapist. It, was, it wasn't any of those traditional mediums. It was me versus me. So, yeah, um, you know, speaking about your depression, that's 
that's something that you know people keep to themselves. But uh, it's great that you share with uh, our, our listeners because that's something that you know tons of students are going through right now. Uh, and it would be great to to hear how you kind of got out of it. And you you talked about how you know, you're bursting yourself. You had to pull yourself out of there. So please uh, walk us through how how you come about that. Awesome. So everything I'm saying, guys, is in. It, it, it's it's my own thinking. It's my own solution. It's not a one size fits all thing. But for me, my biggest fear in life is running away from my problems. I don't ever run away from my problems because if you run away from your problems, it becomes a habit. You'll run away from your bills when you're older. You'll run away from that breakup chat that you need to have with somebody. You'll run away from that awkward conversation with your boss about a raise. If you're running away from one thing, you'll run away from other things. How you do anything is how you do everything always. So I had to overcome me. And for a lot of you guys listening out there, you don't want to hear this, but um, that's what you guys need to do is you need to learn to overcome you. So let's talk about how I sort of got over depression. And once again, this is not a this is not a recommendation. I'm not recommending that you go out and do this full disclaimer, but this is what I did. So I went outside one day about six months in and I said, you know what? I don't want to live like this. Right. So something's got to give. It was cold. It was about minus 15. I remember this day like it was yesterday, and I said, I am going to try to overcome myself physically. It all starts with me physically. Um, So there was this hill outside the res building at TRU, and I proceeded to walk up this hill. And the goal was to get to the top of the hill one time. Not two times, just get to the top. So I did. You know, it took me like 20 minutes. It should usually take a regular guy about like five minutes to get to the top of this hill. By the way, I wasn't out of shape. I wasn't overweight. It was just like the thoughts were screaming at me on the way up the hill. Um, So I got to the top of the hill and my mind basically said to me, get back inside. You're worthless. You're not going to do anything. So this is is where stuff started to get a little real for me. And I said, really, is that so? I said, well, one of us is going to break today and it ain't going to be me. So it's either you're going to give out and you're going to, you're going to accept that I'm in control. I'm going to take control of my spirit, my mind, and my body today, or I'm going to die. Right. So I walked up and down this hill 43 times, minus 15. So I, I got out there at midnight. I didn't stop walking up and down this hill until 4 in the morning. I was out there for four hours. So that is – and then the next day I woke up, and I know what you guys are expecting here, Hollywood, right? It, my depression wasn't gone, but I was now in control. I, a little piece of me knew that I was in control and that's literally all I needed to pull myself out of this. Right. So that's extremely powerful, right? Anyone who's dealing with that in life, but it's big, like, like Raph said, right? It's big in university years, right? What year of university was that? That was my first year of university. So that was everyone. So that was his first year of university. And I'm very happy that you're able to bow through that during that time because you never know what could happen. Maybe you didn't finish your degree, what have you, right? Mm-hmm. So that's extremely powerful for anyone who's listening today. Um, but for anyone who's dealing with that, what are some habits and techniques they could use to start today and maybe to get over those humps? Like, is there anything at the top of your mind that you could think of? Yeah. Decide today that you're never going to run from anything and decide today that nothing's ever going to beat you. So you have to be your own biggest cheerleader. At the end of the day, the world doesn't care. Nobody cares. And, and, and you know what? That's horrible to say, but at the end of the day, it's true. Like, yes, people care that you're going through depression. Yes, they will help you, but you will never realize your full potential using that crutch. So you need to, you need to face it till you make it. It's actually one of my favorite sayings that I actually right. just saw on social media. Not fake it till you make it, face it till you make it. So 
if you're going through something like this, you need to look at that adversity. You need to go and give it a hug. You need to you need to embrace the chaos, and um, through that, you will do everything. So, guys, just to kind of reference this, uh, that year I came out of that first year university with one class. I got a C minus in that class. I took ten classes that year. I took. I came out with one. And I said, you know what? And you have your degree right now. I have yeah. my degree right just now. Just finished, hey? Just, just finished on January 12th there. Um, but the thing is, guys, um, you need to decide to face whatever it is that you have going on. So I made a decision. I am going to beat school. I've seen – at that point, I started reading personal development books. I started listening to interviews. I knew that to be an entrepreneur, I didn't have to go to school. But if I dropped out now with that kind of performance, I didn't drop out. School beat me. So I said, I am going to destroy school. I'm going to beat school. And, I, and you know, January 12th, that was the conclusion that I'd beaten school. And that meant a lot to me. It's not, I'm not going to tell you that I got a crazy amount of education out of my business degree because, quite frankly, I didn't. I didn't learn anything about business doing a business degree. But I got that win. I learned that I could conquer me. And that's the sort of confidence that withstands the test of time. That lasts forever. So, uh, you know, beating impression, that's, that, that takes a while. It doesn't just happen overnight. Um, so did you, so once you got into that mindset of, you know, conquering that, uh, that barrier, did you immediately see a little bit more change, uh, academically? Like, did you go to more classes or your grades got better and how, and, you know, walk us through your journey? Yeah. Let's talk about, you know, more and more your second, third year now. Let's transfer over into those years. Okay. So my second and third year, um, upon beginning my second year, I decided that I wanted to be one of the top performing people I knew. So I started studying top performing people. So I've read 243 books in the last four years. I've watched countless interviews. I started studying top performers, everybody from Jeff Bezos to Grant Cardone, Andy Frisella, Usain Bolt, Michael yeah. Phelps, Michael Jordan, Tim Grover, everybody. You name them, I've seen their speech. I've read their book. I've, I've, I've studied them. And there was one common denominator in all of this. They all made the decision to become a top performer. But no, it wasn't overnight to answer your question, Raph. Um, I wanted to be one of those guys like The Rock. You know, I wanted to get up at 4:30 a.m. It took me 196 tries to get up at 4 a.m. I mean, to get up at 4 a.m. more than three days in a row. Consistently. Consistently. Yeah. It took me more than I failed 196 times. Um, classes. It was a goal to go to two classes a week in the beginning. I mean, my third and fourth year university. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Um, I didn't go to many at all, but it wasn't about that anymore because at that point I was getting straight A's in school because I'd learned the disciplines. In my second year, I went to every class. I didn't miss one class near the end, right? So it's, it's about forming those patterns in your head and deciding that you're going to get 1% better every day. Because once again, guys, you know, we're, we're, we're confronted with a fake um, picture of what change should look like. You expect to be the protagonist in a movie. You're going to get up one day like Rocky and you're going to be pissed off and your music's going to come on and you're going to train your way through something and you're going to beat an eight foot tall Russian dude. Well, it doesn't work that way. You know, it, it, change is a very slow, monotonous process. It's not a barbecue process. It's a crock pot process. So that's something that I think a lot of people need to remember. If you're going to try something, you don't try it for two hours or two days or two weeks. You got to try that thing consistently for about two to three months, maybe and sometimes even two years before you actually start to see results. Right. And, and you know what? That actually segues well um, into the topic of imperfect action. Describe what that means and how important that is for anyone who's starting a business mm -hmm. today. That's extremely important, right? Like you are not going to be an expert at something the first time you do it, 
right? You need to just kind of put, sh- you need to put shit out there, right? Like, and here's the thing, even if you're really passionate about something, you're just going to be fucking bad at it when you first start doing it, right? You're not going to be good at it. You, you might be okay at it, but you're not going to be a professional at it, right? So you need to be willing to get laughed at, get jeered at, get made fun of a little bit, you know, go through, go through the ups and downs of learning how to hone that skill and craft that talent that you need, that quote unquote talent. You're going to craft that talent. You're going to build it, right? You need to be bad at something before you ever hope to be good at it. Mm -hmm. And if you, and if you think that you're just going to be a professional at something, the first day you do it, that is dangerously arrogant. You'd be the first person in history to ever pull that off. Yeah. You know what? The way I look at it is it's almost like building a house. When people try and do perfection as you're saying right right away mm-hmm. it's like framing on top of soil you can't do that you have to start with your concrete base you got to form a foundation right and that takes time and it's expensive <laughs> it's very expensive and it takes time and the framing goes on top right and now you've slowly built the foundation and walls around your house right and that's exactly the process around business or i find in, in same relation in a sense where don't try and frame on top of soil take the time mm-hmm. learn it and have imperfect action. Hundred percent. Uh, you know, imperfect action. On your way to to where you are now, was there anybody you know helping you lay the foundation for you? You know, somebody there who's mentoring you, uh, who's helping you through the tough times, or who's teaching you? Could you elaborate a little bit on uh, your you know, your mentors? Yep, my mentor. So I had one major mentor. So first thing, it was um, my girlfriend Julia. She kind of taught me how to grow through things. You know, um, she didn't give up on me. That was huge. She had every reason to after the first year of our relationship because I lied about everything. That was the second person. This guy actually taught me how to be a high performer. I went to church one day and wearing a suit. And I didn't know why I was wearing a suit. This is not a church you wear a suit at, but I wore a blue suit for whatever reason I was wearing a suit. And I caught this guy's eye and he comes up to me and he... This was pure grace, guys. He shook my hand. And he's like, my name's Doran. I own a couple of small businesses. It's not a couple of small businesses, and that's all I'm going to say. Right. I ended up having coffee with him a few times. He taught me the books to read. He taught me how to behave. He taught me how to walk, how to talk. He basically broke down my entire mind, right, and built it back up again. He's like, if you're going, if you're going to change, no, if your life's going to change, you have to change was right. the biggest thing that he taught me, and you have to be a student of the game. You need to seek wisdom, and you need to seek knowledge. So that was my education right there. That was that was sort of like my business degree process in five minutes. Um, another guy I met I met Jonah and Colin Patterson and uh, Jaden Harlock when I came to um, Kelowna here. I didn't really have a lot of high achieving friends at TRU, but when I got to Okanagan College, I kind of met guys that would that thought a little bit more like me. Like you know, Jonah, we've had a million personal conversations about you know the science of achievement. Right, so if I had to narrow it down to five people, I would say my girlfriend Julia, I would say my mentor Doran, I would say the three people I just mentioned, Colin, Jonah, and Jaden, and I would probably add my family in six. But they they were amazing, but they weren't part of that growth process. You know what I mean? They supported me, but they didn't give me the tools to level up. It's not like they didn't want to, but other people gave me those tools. All right, Adam. So let's move into your years in Kelowna here. Let's quickly go over that. Um, any jobs that you had that made a huge impact on you today, the people that you've met as well. Um, so let's go over your time in Kelowna. You know, I know um, from knowing you over the past couple of years, this is where you went after Kamloops. So let's uh, dive into that a little bit. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, some of the jobs that stick out right off the top of my head, I got the opportunity to work at 1867 Private Wealth. 
That's a uh, high net worth branch of Raymond James here in the Landmark District in Kelowna. Robert Schultz, Derek Tanny. Shout out to those guys. They taught me a lot of stuff. And this is basically, I had a lot of sales jobs before this, but this is basically the hardest sales job that I've ever had. And this right. is another one of those things, guys. So when I got this job, I didn't think I could do it, but I wanted to be a high performer and I wanted to be a high performer bad. So this was something that I also had to grow through. This is basically what the job entailed. I had to find, because Raymond James or 1867 Private Wealth works with anybody that has a minimum, a minimum of $300,000 to invest, right? So To initially invest. To initially invest, right? So like basically if you didn't have 300 grand kicking around, a liquid 300 grand, um, you didn't meet the watermark to sort of invest at 1867. So not only did I have to find these people, I also had to convince them to have a meeting with me then I had to talk to them about getting into the room with Rob and Derek to invest money. So a 21-year-old kid is going to sit in front of you and say, yeah, you should come to my firm. It's great. Give us your 300K. So to say that I became a persuasive human being through this entire process, I'm going to say is an understatement. That sounds like bragging, and it totally is, because if you don't toot your own horn, nobody else will. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that is some, it was hard, man. It was honestly like one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do, but I'm insanely proud of myself for getting that job and being able to execute on it. And um, if I didn't want to do my own thing and be an entrepreneur so bad, I wouldn't have left that gig. But yeah, I, I learned some skills there that I'm going to be able to take into the rest of my life. I learned how to sell, how to deal with people, how to read people was probably the most beneficial thing that I learned there. And how to not be intimidated when you're in a room with seven figure eight figure some nine figure earners right how to look at these people as just people and to, and to maintain your confidence and keep your composure that was huge for me mm -hmm. so so uh now you were talking about you know how you got this job um and when we came here as a 21 year old kid is there any tips on how to how to obtain jobs like this like i'm sure it didn't just land in your lap right you, you had had some kind of uh some some kind of approach that you've taken to to find these jobs and to to be a part of a company that, you know, doesn't really uh, hire, you know, outside of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So here's the thing. The first step of the game, if you want to get, if you want to get the job that you want is, excuse me, you can't rely on a piece of paper to sell you. You are not a resume. You are a living, breathing, thinking person. If you're going to rely on a blank piece of paper, not a piece of paper with some words on it to represent you, you're shit out of luck. You're going to end up being one of the other 59 pieces of paper that are sitting on a desk next to a paper shredder. It doesn't matter how good it looks. When you look at a stack of paper straight on, it's just white paper. Yeah. So you follow instructions because that is the biggest thing in business. You need to be able to follow instructions. You apply online how they tell you to. Two days later, you make sure you go in with a couple of copies. You go in in person, and you don't just go in. I mean, it blows my mind how I have to explain this to some some of my friends sometimes, because they'll go in wearing a t-shirt and jeans. You go in in a suit and tie. And you know what? Some people will say it's cologne. I don't need the tie. Wear the tie, right? You go in with a coffee. Whatever you drink and you and you take a double-double in for them. A double-double is usually pretty safe because everybody can appreciate a double-double, right? They'll appreciate the thought even if they don't drink it. Um, when you meet the person that is the decision maker, again, when you meet the person that is the decision maker, you put the double-double in their hand. You ask for a 15-minute meeting. And most of the time, they'll sit down with you for this meeting. Most of the time, they'll like you. Um, if you're ethical and you can actually do what you say you can do and you apply for the right job for you um, and you have the skills to execute on it, they'll sit down with you and you'll get an interview through that. 
and you'll have a one-up over everybody else that applied for that same job because now you're a face, you're a tone, you're a voice, you're classy, whereas everybody else is just a piece of paper with some credentials on it. Right, that's very powerful, mm-hmm. right, for anyone who's listening to this and anyone who wants to, especially students who want to you know, apply for jobs for the, in the summer. Right. That's a big thing. And it's everyone's running around, you know, trying to find the job. And then all of a sudden it's halfway through the summer. They haven't found a job and they're wondering what's going on. People listen to what Adam has to say. You have gotten probably the most impactful jobs as a 21 year old coming in university still in his third year university. And that was incredible. So anyone who's listening, um, Pay close attention to what he has to say here. So that's very powerful. Thank you for that. No problem. Um, so that's after, now we're moving on to, you know, after university. You're done at Oakland College where you graduated, mm-hmm. right? And you're starting Silverback Marketing. Describe to us what Silverback Marketing is as a company and the obstructions you face during the first stages of startup. All right. So what Silverback Marketing is, is basically, basically we're a company that helps business owners get more customers fast that is the our tagline is speed is the name of the game so how do we do it well um my girlfriend julia um and my friend alex helped me start this company and we sort of identified a gap in the space the gap in the space was not a lot of people can actually quantify the marketing efforts which they um, execute for you so for instance like let's say it's let's go old school just because i don't really want to talk smack about anybody on the podcast let's go old school let's talk about billboards how do you, they work. There's no doubt that billboards work, but how do you quantify how well they work? Can you, how many people saw the billboard? How many people that saw the billboard actually called the person from the number that they saw on the billboard, right? That's the biggest, that's the biggest objection that you're going to find if you're starting a marketing company is people are going to go like, okay, I get that ads work, but am I getting my money's worth, right? So we wanted to actually take that objection away from people in a sense to say, listen, we create, we create a Facebook ad that's tied onto a landing page for you, and we will literally collect leads for you. I can show you how many people saw your ad. I can show you how many people signed up. I can show you how many people bounced. And once people sign up and click enter, within two seconds, you will get a text message or an email, whatever you choose, with the person's name, email, and phone number in the text message or the email. If you call them back within 15 minutes, you have a 60% chance of converting them. I can get you new customers inside seven hours. The, that was the pillar behind um, what I did when I was growing up. When you're working on a farm in Princeton, what happens is you, you follow two pillars. You do it right and you do it fast, right? And that's, and that's where we kind of wanted to be as a company. We wanted to do proper work and we wanted to do it fast. We didn't want business owners to feel like they were just kind of giving money away and throwing and hoping. We don't throw and hope. We aim and fire. So. Right. And, and that was the first couple of stages of your company. Is that the mindset you had right from the beginning? Right or or did that just right right from the beginning? Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Did you have anyone that taught you those methods of business? Like, is there any really impactful people that not only with your company today or that you still keep in contact with, even from your earlier years in Princeton, yeah. you know, that have made an impact on Silverback Marketing today? Yeah, my dad's a pretty intense dude. He's a no bullshit right. kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. So um, he would he would say he would constantly get frustrated when people would kind of beat around the bush when they were pitching him things growing up. So essentially he, if he wanted something done, if you're going to do something for my dad, any contractors that ever work for my dad in the future, do it right and do it fast. 
And um, so I was started to think if I was to sell to my dad, which I would actually think would be the hardest person for me to sell to, how would I make him a pitch? I would need to tell him inside 30 seconds what I do or I lost his, lost his attention completely. So that's where I was kind of going towards. A lot of people are a lot nicer in that sense than my dad, but it's a blessing to have him as a dad because it's a no, once again, he's a no BS kind of guy. Um, yeah, that's, uh-huh. that's one of the biggest inspirations. Another thing is I'm a pretty philosophical dude, so I'm a philosophy nerd in my spare time. I relate everything back to farming. So I'm just going to give you a quick little um, example of what I mean. (laughs) So prospects are seeds, okay? How many times do you ever plant one seed? Would you base your entire living off one seed? What if a bird came and picked that seed up? No, so when you're prospecting people, guys, and and you're trying to sell, you are not going to be able to rely on one lead. That's a seed, right? Don't bring the field you need, bring it your seed, right? You need to be able to plant thousands and thousands of seeds. Of those thousand seeds, 100 will grow. Yeah, it's like Ryan Serhant's book. He describes having multiple balls in the air, mm-hmm. right? And keeping them in balance with yourself and your capabilities, right? And not relying on one ball in the air to get you that client, you know, that sell product or service, right? You want to have multiple balls in the air and then your sense, multiple seeds in the ground, right? Mm-hmm. So that's very important. Yeah, so uh, going back to, to Silverback Marketing, are you, is that something that you're doing full-time or is that, or do you have a, a job, a full-time job uh, outside of your company right now? Uh, yeah, I have a job outside of my company right now. Okay. So basically what I do from 8.30 to 4.30 is I work the job and then from 5 to 9 I work on the business, right? So that's another thing. Uh, I'm 23 years old. I'm getting started, and the biggest, my biggest tool that I will be able to utilize is I'm. I'm gonna sound like Gary Vee here. Um, I'm not fancy, meaning that like I do what I got to do. And a lot of people will never start a company because they think when you start a company, you're just gonna be full time all into that company the first fucking day you start. Yeah, this is a reality, guys. Yeah, right. And, you know, yeah. if you have to work a couple jobs, I mean, it's. It's expensive too, right? Like you yeah. can't just have all, all the funding in the in the first place. You oh, gotta dude. have some kind yeah. of backup cash or some cash flow. BC stands for bring cash. <laughs> you fucking pay to live here, okay? So yeah, that's great. That's that's literally like you pay to live in BC. So no, man, no, we're a startup. We we need to build our customer base right now. Straight up with you guys, uh, we provide a great service. I believe in my heart, everybody, everybody should use our service because we can get you clients fast. And these aren't just going to be cold calls, guys. These are going to be leads that are pre-tenderized and pre-cooked that are going that are going to be predispositioned to do business with you guys because they will have clicked on your ad. They gave you their name, email, and phone number. They are interested in what you're laying down and what you have to offer. So I might only get you 10 leads a month, 12 leads a month, excuse me, maybe even 15 leads a month, but you'll probably close 60% of those leads, which is an insane closing average. If this was the MLB, you'd be mm-hmm. one of the best hitters in the league, mm-hmm. so... So, you know, you talked about being a local startup uh, and being an entrepreneur. It's, it, you know, the Kelowna is such an entrepreneurial hub now, now these days. Big tech uh, hub. Big, big tech hub. Huge. And yeah. I, I know the Innovation Center, is, you know, it, it just got put up a couple yeah. of years ago. Uh, but it, you can really tell that Kelowna is changing into to more startups, more small business and, yeah. you know, becoming to a tech hub. So is there any kind of advice you can give uh, to students or people who just want to start their own business, want to want to go from somewhere? How would you describe like your step up from, from having no business to having an idea and bringing out there? Is there any advice you can give to them? Mm-hmm. Start. And, and after, after starting? Get your first customer. <laughs> and do whatever it takes. And do whatever it takes. DM, cold call, personal visit. 
talk to somebody in a coffee shop, be the guy that can't shut up in the elevator, decide what your business name is, register your business name, and go, okay, cool, that's what I'm doing, get your first client. Obsessions become your possessions. Your obsessions become your possessions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I love that. Big quotes. All right, man. So concluding the interview here, uh, a couple more questions. And what are some good habits to get into, like morning rituals? Like let's talk about that just for a little bit here. What are some good habits, especially get into the morning when you're starting your day and you want to, you know, build yourself having an entrepreneurial mindset? Okay. Yeah, 100%, man. So of the of the 900 people that I've studied over the course <laughs> of the last four years, every one of them has a personal routine. If you don't make time for personal growth, you will not grow. It is a conscious decision and you need to make time for personal growth. You need to block off an hour a day, whether that's before bed, whether that's right in the morning and you need to do it for yourself. So the first thing I do every single morning when I get, a be- get out of bed is I pray. And I thank God for everything that I have. And this isn't big stuff, guys. This is literally the roof over my head, running water out of the tap, the food in my fridge, the, the relationships that I have. It gears your mind for gratitude. Then I typically tend to write my goals out. Write your goals down every single day. Recommit to your goals every single day. Then I read 30 minutes of a book. And then I will shower. Then I will get ready. And after I'm ready and I had my coffee, then and only then, and only then will I take my phone off airplane mode and let notifications come in. Well, Adam, this was an absolute pleasure. And the very last question that I'm going to ask you today is, what is Adam Dio's final product of himself? and his business at Silverback Marketing. I'm going to spend the first half of my life accumulating information and resources, and then I'm going to spend the last half of my life giving it all away. Awesome, That's man. great. Great, uh, great to conclude there. That's awesome, man. We really appreciate you being on. And, and guys, if you know anyone, amazing people in the area that want to promote their business and talk about their local startups, give us a shout. You can reach me at Jonah Boston on LinkedIn, J-O-N-A-H-B-O-S-T-O-N. And more importantly, guys, make sure to follow Adam, uh, his personal account, business account. Uh, the personal account is the MFDEO, the MFDO on Instagram. And the business account is Silver B Market. And that's for uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, guys, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And this is the Restless Podcast.